0: In season two of The Business of Nonprofits, we'll talk to organizations taking a head-on approach to big challenges and big risk in pursuit of big rewards for their constituents. We'll unpack their strategies and see how some nonprofits are making it happen and how you can, too. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Business of Nonprofits. We're talking to Together Estranged, the first and only organization focused on comprehensive estrangement in the United States. With me is founder and executive director, Seth Forbes. Seth, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me to speak, Stacey.
0: Take a moment to introduce Together Estranged and describe what comprehensive estrangement means, just for the listeners who aren't familiar.
1: Sure. Together Estranged is the 501c3 nonprofit organization that supports and empowers people who are estranged from family members while also enhancing social understanding for the destigmatization of estrangement. And for people who may not be as familiar with estrangement, estrangement is really about losing a sense of emotional and physical connection with a family member. These are people who have distanced themselves to the extent where little to no communication occurs.
0: Yeah, super important. Really an interesting concept to introduce, especially the holidays.
1: Absolutely. This is a time of year that is typically very challenging for folks because of stigma and because of those frequent narratives that come up in society around happiness and having a put together family. And we're all loving and cozy, sipping on our hot chocolate and seeing all of those ads and TV shows surrounding family. It's very hard for people.
0: So let's talk about, you founded it during the pandemic.
1: Yes. <laughs> it was not quite planned, really. I'm sure that happens with a lot of other entrepreneurs. There's just a certain time that it just fits. Like now is the time to start. And so it was during the pandemic that all of this really came up.
0: And you were remote. So I want to call that out because I feel like your strategy for the next three or four or five years really is taking that remote approach and expanding on it, but in a localized way. So you almost did the opposite of what we saw a lot of with other organizations where they were local and now they were Zoom so they could take it wide. You're taking this different kind of approach where it's Zoom, but you want to make it more personal.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It made sense during COVID, given everything that was happening for people. But even just on top of that, I really wanted this to be something that was accessible for folks. The idea was that if you have an internet connection, then you have support. And I wanted it to be far-reaching, so I didn't want people to feel like they had to be in a specific physical location in order to access the resources that we had. But it was also really more of a financial decision, right? Because when you have a physical location, you have greater overhead costs. And when you run something online, it can minimize that quite a bit, right? You're thinking about a domain name. You're thinking about your web hosting services. Maybe you're paying for a mailbox. But really, there's not a lot of costs associated with that. And so for me, being an early entrepreneur, someone who had never run a business before, it just made a lot of financial sense.
0: Absolutely. And it really did let you launch in a bigger way. You could reach whoever you needed to. You appealed to a wide variety of people and you wanted that wide variety, but you wanted that reach to be big and it worked.
1: Exactly. And with the internet, I feel like It just provides so much opportunity to reach out further into groups that you never would have known about before had you not been able to search them on Facebook or on Google. There are so many different and specific niche estrangement groups on Facebook, for example, and even on Reddit that I wasn't familiar with until I had dug in and done some more research and it was through those groups that I was able to find people who wanted to attend the events or who wanted to volunteer. I, I really do believe the internet, when leveraged appropriately, it can be such a powerful tool for anyone who's looking to start up a nonprofit or a for-profit business.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I want to call out because your approach was very interesting and very, I'm going to say like for-profit. You literally did your market research. And then I do want you to talk a little bit about how you actually handled your program reach because you did that via Zoom, but you also did follow-up surveys and almost like a product launch in a textbook corporate way, because that's actually how you landed with what you need to do next is those surveys and hearing feedback.
1: Yes, I believe it all stemmed from my first master's degree, which was in organizational communication. And as you can imagine, with that type of degree, really focus a lot on training and development and putting together appropriate materials for various different situations that can occur within a business. And I also learned quite a bit about research and conducting qualitative and quantitative research. Naturally, that was the place for me to begin when I first thought about starting this nonprofit. The first thought that I had was, I need to make sure that I am not the only one experiencing this problem. And if I'm not the only one, I need to know if other people would actually use the services that we come up with. And so... I put together a survey and then I did some research online and found some willing Facebook group moderators who would be (laughs) open to distributing a survey in groups. That's a really big no-no in Facebook groups. They hate spam or any sort of self-serving kind of action. I will say that was a challenge for me just as much as it was kind of a win. But once I got the survey out there, We collected about 250 responses, and that was enough for me to feel confident that this was a problem that really wasn't getting addressed in the United States. And from that survey, it allowed me to then pull in people for focus groups. And so I held three or four focus groups. One was on general family estrangement. Just, you know, if someone identified as being estranged, then they were welcome to join the call and talk to me a bit about their experience and what they feel is currently lacking in the field. If they have sought help, what were some of the issues that they had? And that really gave me a lot of helpful information. And then I also held a group for the LGBT community because I am LGBT and I really needed to hear from the community how they felt about there being a service like this. And then I also spoke with mental health professionals, too, because I feel like they really can't be overlooked when you're talking about estrangement. It's a huge topic in the mental health field, but it's also not addressed as much as it should be. I just wanted to get a sense from these mental health professionals what their opinion was in terms of current knowledge and training in the mental health field for estrangement and how they've navigated it with their clients and All of that also helped me to identify gaps for us to better support people.
0: I really like that because you're looking at a 360 degree view of the problem or the use case, right? You're really looking at not just a blanket statement. Oh, I talked to 20 people. Let me just extrapolate. You really focused in on, are there nuances between different user groups? What about the professionals who currently serve them? Are they approaching it a certain way that I need to be aware of or... What are the gaps that they see that maybe we need to fill? Like, I love all of that. You did take that same approach with what's up next, right? You basically listened to your feedback. You took a sort of a data-centric approach to it. Is that right?
1: Yes. I mean, everything that we do, we have a feedback form. Whether it's an event or a support group, or even just a group on Facebook itself, just asking people, is this the type of space that you envisioned? Did this meet your expectations? What was it about this event that really stood out to you? Would you want something different next year? And I think that's so important because if you're not listening to your target audience, then how are you supposed to create a truly immersive and meaningful experience for them? And I think even with us being a nonprofit, it doesn't have to be this situation where we're struggling and limited in resources. I think that's kind of the story for nonprofits, right? It's like, oh, it's a struggling nonprofit. But I don't think that has to be the case. Even if you don't have a lot of funds right away, you can leverage your community to make it a meaningful space for them. And when you do that, they will come.
0: I absolutely agree with that. And I think your results really do speak for themselves. So your current format is still online,
1: right? Yeah. You do,
0: I think it's several monthly sessions. Certainly all of this is on the Together Estranged website for our listeners who want to check it out. Typically it's like a monthly series of groups and they're limited in size, right?
1: Yes, they are. We have about 10 to 15 people every month for our online support groups. We have two volunteer peer moderators who manage it. They have done such a fantastic job of working together and creating an inclusive space. And what I love is that they have really taken the lead on these virtual support groups. So oftentimes I will check in with them. They'll provide recommendations to me on what they think should be changed with the groups. And the minimum and maximum kind of amount of people that can participate was really just to retain that quality of experience. I think a lot of times organizations or groups will try to focus on getting the highest number of people involved, but that doesn't always mean that it's personalized and it doesn't always provide people with the safety and the space that they need to actually process what it is that they're going through.
0: And this is such a personal topic that I think you need that. You need that time and that space and the silence where there's not 500 people in a lecture hall. This really needs to be something that you let people come at their own pace and they on camera, off camera, right? They can adapt and be present however it fits their emotional need.
1: Right. And I love that you said that because there are many Facebook groups for estrangement and some of them have 13,000 followers. Those can be very helpful just to know that you're part of a much larger community and there's still very helpful content being posted. But it's like what you mentioned. Everyone has a different learning style and everyone has different preferences for how they want to interact with whatever it is that you're providing. And that's been another goal of ours is to provide different types of opportunities for people to interact in the way that feels most comfortable to them. So for some things, it's expected that your camera is going to be on and you're going to participate and we will have those expectations listed out so that people are aware. But in other instances, camera may be optional.
0: So talk about what's next. What's your big dream for the next three years? What are you trying to accomplish?
1: I would say that up to this point, it's really been about exploration for us and trying to figure out where we fit because there's no other nonprofit in the U.S. that directly speaks to family estrangement. The initial assumption with Together Estranged was that people would not feel comfortable going to an in-person support group because it's such a vulnerable topic. So we had started all of these different programs and activities remotely. Throughout the years, we've gotten a lot of feedback from people asking if there's an in-person support group in their city. That's really brought about the question of, okay, how do we shift? How do we adapt and begin incorporating both virtual and in-person group opportunities? Our goal really is to develop stronger relationships here within the Boston community and find some ways where we can meet that need.
0: That's tremendous. And I think a testament to how careful you are in your online programming and the community that you're building, that people would want to forge a deeper, more meaningful relationship in person. And that is a testament to the quality of the organization. So, how are you breaking that down? I mean, are you at the point where you're analyzing locations, or how does that work?
1: It's funny you mentioned that because this past summer was the first Boston Pride for the People parade. And we had a booth at that event. We had been going back and forth about the type of support group that we might want for our first one here in Boston. As I mentioned earlier, I'm LGBT. I have a really big heart for the LGBT community. I want to support them in any way that I can. And I think that given today's political climate, it's just more important now than ever before to make sure that we're there for our LGBT folks. At the Boston Pride for the People Parade, we had a sign-up sheet to further explore interests from that community. If we were to host an in-person support group, what would you think about that? Is that something you would be interested in attending? And we got a few pages of sign-ups for that. Now it's kind of further refining that down. The next steps really are for us to connect with the people from that list, which we have reached out to them and are in conversation with several of them. We need to figure out a specific location that's going to be held, probably in a mutual type of space. Downtown Boston is typically where everyone's familiar with, maybe somewhere around there. And then we need to find a facilitator. And so I think breaking it down that way makes it a lot easier to navigate. Timelines are important too. So we know we've had a lot going on this year, but our aim is by late spring of 2024, we'll have something up and running in in Boston. And then you'll
0: iterate from there, right? You'll take that same approach where there's feedback mechanisms. And if you need to pivot again, you can.
1: Yes, I think that's going to be very important. We've even asked people on our initial survey for these in-person group questions like, what kind of format would you like this to be? We are thinking of naming it XYZ. How do you feel about that name? And allowing the community to be just as much part of the decision-making process.
0: I want to talk a little bit about a partnership that you just announced in a press release on your website, because I think it's huge. I feel like there's something here about partnerships with corporate or other companies or lobbying, right? There's something here about how to gain that skill or, or how to tackle it because you just announced a partnership with BetterHelp. So, talk about that.
1: So, our partnership with BetterHelp is very exciting for us, it's a huge milestone they were offering six months of free therapy to people in our estranged community. And so there were a certain number of slots, essentially. And people could go onto our website and type in this code that BetterHelp had created. And then they could go on there, enter in the code and then begin therapy right away. And I think the minute that we announced that, the therapy sessions were gone <laughs> like within a week.
0: Now, did you approach them? How did that come about?
1: I did. And it's, it's kind of funny. I think I was just researching online different mental health companies and organizations. You never know. Some companies have a system in place for working with other businesses or nonprofits. Sometimes they have a form you can fill out. And it really was just an inquiry that I made to them, asking them if they offered anything like that And they got back to me and they offered this with us last year too. So this is technically our second year partnering with them, but as we're getting bigger, there's greater exposure and that's very exciting.
0: I love everything about that. And I really do like the, it never hurts to ask. Yes. The whole point of moonshots sometimes are, it's a lot of faith and it's a lot of skill and time and you put the three together and you mix it up and you hope big things happen. Yes. Yeah. It's just remarkable. It is. Two things. I always have sort of end with these two. The first one is if you had a nugget of wisdom to share with someone who was going to take on a big project or goal, what would it be? Like, What have you learned?
1: You know, this kind of piggybacks a little bit off of what we were just talking about, but I think it's still very much important because it, it has truly impacted the way that I develop projects, and the way that I work on anything that we're doing with Together is Strange. And it's all about asking for help. I just completed my MBA from Boston University this past May, and I took a negotiations class. And I took it on purpose because I'm not the best at negotiating. (laughs) I'll just be honest. You know, know, it's very nerve-wracking going and asking someone for something, whether it's money or help or resources, whatever it may be. And one of the activities from the negotiation class was to ask 10 different people anything, something random, out of the blue, something that they could never give you. And the goal was kind of like exposure therapy where where you're asking them and you're getting a no and then you're getting used to hearing that no and it starts to feel okay after the third or fourth time. And I remember I was in REI or something, the boarding company. I was just asking them if I could have something for free. It was like one of their helmets or whatever. I knew they would tell me no, but they did. They said no. And I just, I don't know. It it made the fear of that go away.
0: That's awesome.
1: (laughs) You know, like not completely. I mean, there's still some anxiety there, you know, but that activity really changed my life because now I don't really mind asking people. I'll send them an email if I come up with an idea, I'll ask if they want to collaborate. What's the worst they're gonna say? No.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's actually how this podcast came about.
1: I love that.
0: <laughs> right. It was just one of those, I really want to do this. And I was talking to to someone at the time and I really expected the wow, that is just a dumb idea. And what I got was, well, sure. Like, what would it take to make that happen?
1: Yes.
0: If you're going to wish for something that our listeners could maybe put out, you know, if you're going to put it out in the world, what would that wish be?
1: On a personal note, I would wish that anyone who's listening to this and feels like they're resonating with, topic of family estrangement. If any of the listeners have their own family issues, I would wish that they would know they're not alone. And this is a very heavy hitting topic. I hope that, you know, they're able to find support, whether it's through our organization or or someone else in their life or some service near them. I hope they can work through that and know that it's going to be okay. On a business nonprofit note, I would hope that listeners could simply share what it is that we're doing with the people in their network, because you never know who is struggling with family estrangement. You just don't know. And it's not until you get the message out there that someone relates. On more of a business note for the listeners, I hope that you don't give up on your business idea. I hope that you begin implementing a bit more research. I think a lot of people get excited about starting something and they just throw it out there and that's okay, but I just think it it gets a lot better. It's more strategic if you really put some preparation and planning out there and you really elicit feedback from your community.
0: Let's talk about where we can donate, volunteer, find out more. Uh, I mentioned the Together Estranged website which is a huge resource, but you also have a very active Facebook group. So tell us where we can find out more about you.
1: I would say that our website really is the place to go for all of our information. We have links to different events. We have information on donating. We have information on volunteering. I would say we're very active on our Instagram page. So it's just at together underscore estranged. And I would say our Instagram page is really kind of where you would get most of our immediate news. We do have a Facebook page as well as a LinkedIn page, but Instagram is really kind of where it's at. So that would be my recommendation is stay on top of Instagram, visit our website, sign up to our online newsletters as well, because we post a lot of good stuff in there.
0: Yeah, I will echo the newsletter is excellent. When I got my first copy of it, I read the whole thing. You know, I get a lot of newsletters and I don't usually do that. I usually skim, but it was very informative. Like you take what you can take from it, even if you're not really estranged from a family member. But I think we all know the feeling of I'm not quite clicking with my tribe or my community or my family and I feel alone. And, and that resonated so, so much with me at the time. So absolutely check those out. Seth, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. This is such important work. I wish you all the luck.
1: Thank you so much, Stacey. I really appreciate you inviting me onto this podcast. I think it's amazing what you're doing. I'm very much into entrepreneurship and always learning different techniques and different approaches. And I just love that you've really created this amazing space for people to share their experiences.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much. For our listeners, I hope you enjoyed hearing about Together Estranged. Please, if you have questions for Seth, you can find their contact info on their website. If you have a suggestion or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, please contact us at podcast at TGRMC.com. And on behalf of producer Sam, myself and the entire TGR family, we'll see you next time.
1: My name is Tiffany Rossick, CEO of TGR Management Consulting. Volunteerism is a core value of ours at TGR. In fact, it's something each and every one of our team members have demonstrated prior to being hired. Because we all believe all humans want to be part of something bigger than themselves, and together we are better.